Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, guys. Well, still exhilarated over the way that game ended last night. How about the Kraken? Oh my God, so much fun! I, I was just telling Mora, uh, the, they've gotten under the skin of the Seattle sports fans in a good way, and and it's such a fun team to watch. And I, and I can't help. I've said it before on these airwaves, and uh, there's so many similarities to to the rosters and, and the construction, and and uh, you know we see so much of, of the heart that this Kraken team plays with that I think is really. You know, it's similar to to what we've what we have been with here with the Mariners over the last you know couple of years. I was thinking about that last night when the kid uh, Cartier made his debut and and scores a goal. I was thinking about some of the conversation last year about could Cade Marlowe end up in the you know playoff roster and like it would have been like him hitting a big home run in a game in a debut like that last year. Uh, and if you recall, you know, in twenty twenty one when we were going into the final weekend with a chance to, to get to the postseason, we did something similar with Julio. Yep. You know, he was teed up and, and ready to join the team if we went off to, to play in the postseason. And you know, I, I think it's such an amazing thing when, when young players with that kind of talent you know, have the, the, the self-awareness and self-control to step into stress situations like those and, and perform. And that's it. Ty did it last night. And, and I, and I hope we get the opportunity to see some of our young players do it down the road. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And we thought about that with Brash, right, a few years ago as he was kind of ready to go against, was it the Angels that night? So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it came after the news yesterday. What a huge bummer. What happened with Robbie Ray? Yeah, you know, obviously the situation escalated uh, upon his his follow-up visit with Dr. Meister down in, in Dallas. And not great news. And I spoke to Robbie yesterday afternoon, and, and he had a chance to contemplate uh, what it was that he wanted to do. And uh, this is, uh, we think, this is the conservative option that gives Robbie the best chance to, to return to the mound completely healthy and, and help the Mariners. You know, obviously... In the short term, we are not as good a team without Robbie Ray as, as we are with him. So it does hurt us for the balance of this season. You know, though we do feel like we have the, the flexibility and the personnel to, to be able to manage it along the way. And, and you know, we'll, we'll likely do something a little more creative in, in how we want to solve it. But it's, uh, it's a shame because no, no one worked harder this offseason uh, and, and put themselves in position to deliver you saw Robbie in the spring. He looked phenomenal, and it's a shame that we won't get to see that version of him this year, but hopefully this allows us to see it for years to come. So what are your options now? Uh, you know, we can tap into what, what we're doing right now. We're the, the five guys that are running out there and the bullpen we have and, and continue to, to run you know, traditionally like that. There are some creative ways we might be able to resolve it that we've not really you know, completely talked through. Yeah, or we could tap into, you know, the next wave of, of young talent that we have in our system, which is a possibility for us. So, and it could be some combination of, of ball or any of those those things. It's uh, it's all still so new and fresh, and, and there's uh, so much of it is going to depend on what the matchups are and what we feel like the right thing to do is for the individual players. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing you'll do in setting up a team. So how close then are some of those double A pitchers to being big league ready right now? What kind of year have they had and how close are they? 
You know, it's a, the starts have been uneven, you know, but we're, as, as you know, we tend to, uh, we assess differently. You know, we're looking more often than not, we're looking at those shove reports and we've talked about them before and we want to know how the pitchers are, are executing and OO counts and one, one counts, what the physical stuff looks like and the ability to repeat it because you know, small sample sizes in raw performance can really, uh, it, they don't tell all of the truth. And, you know, to that extent, some of them are closer than others. You know, we're very pleased with, with what's happening under the hood with, with most of the guys and, and, you know, it makes them options, you know, and, and we do have a couple of guys in Tacoma that are off to good starts and, and they're doing positive things. And we also have five healthy starters in the big leagues right now. So it's, it, there's, it is not dire straits for us. We're going to have to make an adjustment, but, we want to make an adjustment that allows us to thrive, not not an adjustment that allows us to survive, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, it certainly does. Is, is our outside the organization options part of this as well? Yeah, it's a, there's this is not really the time of year and and we've talked about it. You know, I know I don't hear Brock's voice, which I'm assuming means I'm not going to get mauled over the current status of our designated. You're not leader. today. No, but, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brock had to run because he's flying uh, to be ready for the draft tonight. But yes, uh, yes, you've mentioned that outside outside helps a little hard to find right now. Yeah, it's a, there's you make your decisions headed into spring training. You give your players opportunity, and and then those first six weeks of the season tend to be you know you're running from within, and and there might be an opportunity with a waiver claim, but you're not going to make a significant addition to your major league club at this stage in the game. And, and, you know, it's probably going to be the case for another at least a month or so before you see uh, or even start to engage with other teams in that category. Uh, otherwise, you're just paying at premiums that, that shouldn't exist if you can even get anybody to pick up the phone. I, I, so I guess, yeah. you have to rely on your own depth. I only ask because I know there's a, a former – Cy Young Award winner and big name pitcher who who was recently DFA'd or is something like that an option? Uh, sure, you know it's it's not it's it's not a consideration for us in this moment, but it's also not something we've had a chance to digest or talk about. Mm. So, you know, we had the first of what I would imagine to be multiple iterations of a you know a what are we doing with our pitching moving forward phone call <laughs> or meeting yesterday with with our major league staff our pitching people uh at the minor league and, and analytics levels so we're we're we are collaborating on what the right solution is here and and my guess is by the time we go to bed tonight or wake up tomorrow morning we'll have something in place that we think makes sense Hey, with uh, we're talking to Jerry Depoto, of course. Jerry, with with uh, with Robbie missing now, basically the entire year, does that have any effect on his opt out? If I remember correctly, he's got an opt out in his contract after I want to say next year. Does that does that affect it at all? It doesn't. You know, that's something that was negotiated into his contract, and and you know, like anything else, if you want to renegotiate that, you can certainly try, but. You know, at the end of the day, it is part of the contract that we struck with Robbie, and it remains in. Okay. Um, all right, so let's move on past the uh, unfortunate news there. The team, I think, is playing certainly some pretty good ball here over the last week or so. What are you seeing? Yeah, I, I really feel like since the end of our first homestand, we've been playing pretty good. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a frustrating thing that playing pretty good results in, you know, 10 and 10 over your last 20. But, you know, we're seeing traction again with, with seven of the, the nine spots in the lineup have generally been very productive. Uh, I think 
going into yesterday's game, we were the only team in the league with, with seven players in, in, in a lineup that were north of a 100 WRC plus. Uh, that may be outdated by now, but I think it was true yesterday. And, you know, we're getting productivity. Our pitching has been as good as we could have hoped it would be, particularly in light of the fact that we've lost Robbie and, and that he's not been out there. I, I think our starting rotation, those front four, have been awesome. And, and our bullpen, with different faces in different places and, and contributions from guys like Topa and Spire, our, our bullpen has, really hasn't missed a beat. And, and last night was the, the first time that they blinked. And, uh, you know, I, I wish that it would result in, in maybe a little run of wins, but we're in a pocket of our schedule that uh, probably doesn't get enough attention for how tough it is to get through this. <laughs> and, and we're doing it and, and we're fighting through it. And hopefully uh, we can we can get on the other side of 500 here soon because I think we're playing fairly well. Yeah, and obviously that's been led by Jared Kelnick, who's just been unbelievable. I mean, all the different things he's been doing are really incredible. What goes into the decision to bump him up and, and hit him third yesterday to allow him to hit against lefties when that wasn't necessarily supposed to be the case early? How how do those or how did those decisions get made? Well, I guess in reverse order, the the decision to bump him up to third in the lineup was, you know, after after the three hit night, which you know, I guess without the help of Christian Pache, is probably a four hit <laughs> night, where everything coming off of JK's bat is just a rocket, and the bat the bats are so good, and you know, just like we all thought, he's a reverse splits guy who's been whacking lefties. It's He's, you know, we, we went into this believing that the, you know, the, the lesser stuff lefties, you know, the guy we were going to, to, to push JK out into the water and give him an opportunity to face those guys and, and acclimate, but he's just been so good. And, and, you know, frankly, after the, the three hit night, Scott sent me a text and said, what do you think if I bump JK up to third in the lineup? And I said, he's the best hitter in baseball right now. There's probably never going to be a better time. <laughs> it's uh you know he's he's been so good, and I, I I think it's it's one of those things where when you're it, the the matchups really do matter. You know it's very nice to go to the ballpark and know that Julio leads off and Ty hits second. We'll see how the lineup you know starts to 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 really evolve or settle over the course of the early part of this season. But you know J.K. deserved to be there, and and our run scoring probably gets a boost from having him, you know, hit a little higher and maybe hit once more in a game than he has been. I was down the park uh, on Sunday and heard Scott talking about how impressive that opposite field home run was. I think it was the first of the two that he hit um, that he had kind of the inside out swing on a ball down and in. From your perspective as a former pitcher and somebody who's been around this game forever, how rare and how impressive was that home run? Hugely impressive, especially in our ballpark in April. And, you know, it's left hand opposite field home runs at T-Mobile Park. You know, they, they don't grow on trees at any point in the year. That That's just not something you see a ton of, you know, but to do that on chilly days in April and in our ballpark when offense is, is usually tough to find. Uh, it's and drive a ball that way. That was, you know, the, the location of that pitch was such that almost every hitter in the league either misses that or rolls over it. And, you know, it says something about where his swing is right now that he was able to execute. You, you virtually have to execute a perfect swing at that pitch as hard as he did and, and at the trajectory he did. And, 
And, uh, you know, to his credit, that's kind of what we've been watching is just him executing, you know, excellent swing after excellent swing. And, and it, to see it sort of manifest with him hitting for power line to line, it's a, it's, it's hitting lefties. It's taking his walks. It's, it's just everything that you can do. And, and it's not just offensively. He's really doing it. He's doing it on the bases. He's doing it on defense. He, he's just in a great place well, with his game. And on defense, last thing on Kelna quickly, I, I, I just, Maybe it's my eyes. Maybe my eyes are not agreeing with the stats, but my eyes tell me that he's getting unbelievable elite jumps on the ball in the outfield. And then I, I looked at baseball savant or whatever, and it says that his jumps were fairly average. Should I trust my eyes or should I trust those numbers? I would trust your eyes. That's what we see. And you know, I, I think in the the and even with you know Fangraphs defense, we're I think as a team we are excelling. And we knew we had a good defense coming into the season. And and I guess the the performance we're getting from J.K. the performance we're getting from Teoscar have been phenomenal. So you know, as as a result, team wise, we are excelling in that area. But you know, in Jared's case he misread a ball on that first homestand while playing right field. But I think, you know, when you are in small sample sizes mm. and you have one, one misread or one ball that, that you get the bad break on, it holds you down. And now we think he's getting exceptional jumps, particularly when he's playing left field, which is you know, right now in left field, you're not going to see anybody play the position better than he's playing it today. And, uh, it's and it, and it goes right through to the quality of his throws, the accuracy of the throws. He's he's he is truly locked in in all facets of the game. On the other side of that coin, unfortunately, is Colton Wong. Now his bat has picked up a little bit here in the last few days. But what what do you think is going on with Colton right now? Yeah, I, I, Colton's just struggling to to find his traction and and get to where he is. But uh, I guess. From a from a defensive perspective, and, and I haven't been in tune with uh, truly with, with social media, and, and I must admit I wasn't listening to the show before I popped on. But I, there's Colton's dropped a couple of balls at second base that he should have caught, and and I think he'll be the first one to tell you that. There's not a heck of a lot that he can do based on positioning for ground balls that are going through the infield, and you know that is that's that's just the game. That's how it works, you know, and when hitters blister balls back through the middle and they get shielded by a pitcher, it's a tough play to make. But the balls at second base that he's had an opportunity to catch, and we've seen two or three of them this year. And, and uh, you know, last night we were fortunate in that it didn't kill us. You know, in, in a couple of games past, it did. It, it allowed a couple of runs that, that shouldn't have happened. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing when you're in a slump. And, you know, you start to – your mind doesn't work as quickly in places that it always worked before. And and I think once the hits start coming for Colton, and we're starting to see him now, and, and once he gets into a position where he feels comfortable uh, at the ballpark every day, you'll see what he's capable of. I, I Again, I don't really – I don't look at Colton with a great deal of worry right now. I look at him as, as a player who's struggling. And, and we're seeing guys who got off to wonderful starts in the first couple of weeks who are struggling in the next couple of weeks. That's how baseball works. And, you know, and, and the next couple of weeks will eventually come for Colton Wong. He's just too good to, for them not to. Well, and in the meantime, uh, you know, originally the plan was to have him, you know, play against righties and, and see Dylan Moore against lefties. Dylan obviously is hurt. But who's this Caballero kid? Because he's kind of fun to watch. He's got a little, he's got a little attitude to him. Yeah, he's not afraid. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when we got to spring training, and, and this was the first year that we had Cabby in, in big league camp, 
And truly, the first year that Cabby has come in healthy. And uh, if you'll remember, uh, Cabby was the return for Mike Leak in the trade we made with the, the Diamondbacks back in 2019. And since joining the Mariners, he's he's been a good performer. We we acquired him as an A-ball shortstop at that time with the with the Diamondbacks, and and almost immediately he was hit in the hand and and broke a hamate. And in the time since, every season that Cabby has been with the Mariners has included some type of weird injury that has cost him a fair bit of time. And and uh, you know this year he's healthy. He went and played in the WBC. And you could see when he was playing in the WBC that the, the moment doesn't bother him. He has a he has a competitive edge to him, and and uh, and I think it's having that kind of depth. And I can say it's Cabby, it's Mason McCoy. You know, we are we're in a position organizationally where where we're just further along in that space than we've ever been, and and really happy for for Cabby to get the opportunity. And it has been fun to watch him play. He's he sticks his nose in and he fights. Yeah, he's kind of fun. He seems like somebody who could become a little cult hero if he uh, if he keeps it up. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, Jerry, and you, you kind of mentioned how impressive it was for Kelnick to go to left field in this ballpark in particular. How, how serious of a of a of a factor, I guess, is ballpark factor? How much do you guys consider your home park when making decisions about players? Oh, it, it's the first of the considerations, and I, and I will say that it's uh, you know that's it should be, and I, you know I think as far back as when I interviewed for this job, you know when I when I first got this job, talked about building teams that fit the ballpark, and you know it's a very you you play in Philadelphia, and especially when you're standing in that ballpark, or you play in Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park. And you recognize that you're in a different space. And, and you know, from, from as far back as I can remember as a baseball person, you know, you talked about the, at the, the qualities of having left-hand power hitters at Yankee Stadium. Or, you know, what I think was the misnomer of having right-hand power hitters in Boston, when in fact you know, left-hand power hitters in Boston are, are also a premium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I think the, the, the various ballparks around the league have nuances that really should, you know, be identified as you build your team. And, you know, we have a, we have a ballpark that definitely favors the pitcher. And, and as such, almost every iteration of our team has been built around, you know, the, the quality of a pitching staff. And I think if you, you know, if, if you, whether it's where you focus your, your payroll, whether it's where you focus your, your, your draft and develop, I do think that like the Rockies in Coors Field, uh, you're, you're probably not going to go out to market and bring in a bunch of guys who've, who've already accomplished X, Y, Z as offensive players, throw them out in, in, in your environment at T-Mobile Park and say, go get them, guys. You, you've got to develop a lot of those players through your minor league system. And, you know, it's a, and, and you can go access pitching in a lot of different places like we have with Robbie Ray, with Luis Castillo or, or via trades. But I do think that whether it's guys like JK or Julio Rodriguez or, or Cal Raleigh, et cetera, you know, guys that came through your system or arrived as young major league players who understand the nuances of the ballpark and won't be as frustrated by the early season, uh, I guess, difficulty, yeah. the, the better off you're going to be. Because there's going to come a time, and I've talked with multiple of our players, especially as we've recruited players to come here, 
know, if I look out the window this morning, there's probably not a better day that you're going to get to play in Major League Baseball than what looks like today. And we're going to get three or four months of days that look like this. And when that starts to happen, we can play offense in our ballpark. And, and the ball does travel, and you can hit home runs at T-Mobile Park. It's just a little bit tougher in April and in the early part of May, and, and you have to be willing to, to adapt to that. It seems it kind of would lead me to think if I were in your shoes, I'd want to sample the goods before spending a lot or taking a big, you know, a big jump at somebody who who has been a you know on an offensive side of the ball. Do you look at it that way, where you need to kind of sample before committing? So as as it works out, that's kind of a philosophy of ours in general, you know, and and that's not necessarily because you want to see how the players adapt to the ballpark, but you want to see how the players adapt to your environment and, and how they fit in your clubhouse, what the player's about as a, as a person. And, you know, you can look at uh, acquisitions like, you know, and, and the rock is a great example of that. You know, Teoscar Hernandez is another example of that. We've had a number of players who we've identified as, you know, let's say short term contract additions a year or two of control you know and then get to them know the player and and find out how that player fits and and i guess over time we've done that well sometimes we've aired but most of the time i think we've done that well and you just know so much more about a player if if you allow you know the environment to to envelop him and and I think that's a, an important thing. You find out if guys fit, and they find out that they like it here. Now, we've had multiple players through the years, you know, a month in, uh, as in their Mariners, I, I guess, experience, say, wow, this is a lot different than I thought it was going to be. And uh, and I hope that's because the, the, the environment, what Scott and our staff and, and, our, and our players create downstairs is so inviting. But there's something different about playing for the Mariners when the Mariners are good, the, the fan base is, is on fire. The ballpark is full. We've got an unbelievably entertaining in-game. There's just energy around the park, and, and that appeals to players. And, and that's how you're going to attract players is environment. And you're willing to deal with a ball that gets hung up in a gap and then gets caught in April if you know what comes on the other side. That's but great. for a couple of our guys right now, they don't know what comes on the other side. Jerry, we <laughs> got to go because the game's about to start. We got to turn over the pregame show, but thank you. We'll talk again next week. You got it, Mike.